Welcome to today's message by Pastor Tommy McMurtry of Liberty Baptist Church. Liberty Baptist Church is located in Rock Falls at 2002 9th Avenue, just across from the Dillon Grade School. Pastor Tommy would like to invite you to be a part of their Sunday services. The Sunday school hour is at 10 a.m., followed by their morning worship at 11 a.m., or their evening service at 6 p.m. They would also love to have you be a part of their midweek services on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We hope you will get a blessing this morning as Pastor Tommy brings you a message from the Word of God. Good morning and welcome back. I am Pastor Tommy McMurtry here again from the Liberty Baptist Church. We appreciate you tuning in so much this morning. I hope last week's program was a blessing for you. We enjoyed being on. That was our very first one, so this is number two. And I'm excited about this. I'm really enjoying it, and I hope that this is being a blessing to you. And I I hope one of these days you'll come out and give us a visit at Liberty Baptist Church. We would love to have you as one of our guests. If you come and you mention the radio, that you heard about us on the radio program, we'll give you your very own Bible that you can keep. And I hope that you will do that. We would love to meet you. Also, we would love it if you would write us or email us at libertybc.com. 2011 at att.net. We'd love it if you'd email us. Send us in any questions that you might have. This is your way of being able to affect the subject matter on this radio program, and we would love to try to answer those from the Word of God for you. In fact, uh, we have a couple questions this morning we're going to be looking at. We got a couple real good questions, and I really appreciate these, and I hope that you will. Keep on sending those in, and we just want to be a help, want to know what's on your heart and how we can be a blessing. And in fact, these questions that we have this morning, they go very well with my message that I'm wanting to bring to you this morning. And so I'm going to ask these questions. Uh, I'm going to try to answer them from the Scripture, and then we may refer to some of these things a little more in the message because they do go very well with the message. And the first one I got, this question is from Lon, and it's simply this. What is sin, and can I ever stop sinning? What is sin, and can I ever stop sinning? Well, it's clear in the Bible real quickly we can answer what sin is, and that's a transgression of the law. Anything you do that violates any command in Scripture is a sin. And the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is not one person who has not transgressed the law. There is not one person who is not a lawbreaker, and because we're lawbreakers, uh, we're guilty. We deserve uh, punishment, an eternal punishment in a place called hell. We see that in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But thank God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so sin is a transgression of the law. But then the part of the question, can I ever stop sinning? Can I ever stop sinning? That is a good question there. And I'm going to answer these this with Scripture. In Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. We see here that if you'll walk in the Spirit, you won't sin. But if you walk in the flesh, well... Then you're gonna, then you will sin. So the question is, you know, can I get to a point where I'm always walking in the Spirit? Well, Romans 7.14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. 
For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find that a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. I know the wording in here can kind of get confusing, but if you go through it and you read it real slow, you can get it. And basically what Paul's saying here, I don't want to sin, but I do sin. There, that flesh that I have, that old man, it's still alive and well, and he just wants to sin all the time. But the spiritual man, the part that's, uh, that was resurrected by Jesus Christ when he was saved, that one doesn't sin. It doesn't, and it doesn't want to sin. But boy, that flesh, it's just always there. We are, we're always battling it every day. And unfortunately, while I wish I could tell you, you know, that I, gone days or weeks or months without sinning I, I can't say i have and the truth is i'm that's not going to happen until the day that i'm like christ and many people they'll take this scripture and almost get encouraged by it that well okay yeah i'm a sinner so no big deal if i sin listen paul he wasn't pushing that at all in fact if you look at the next verse in verse 24 he said oh wretched man that i am who shall deliver me from the body of this death I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then when, when with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I love how he said, oh wretched man that I am. Paul didn't glory in the fact that he was a sinner. He hated the fact that he was a sinner. I worry about folks who try to make excuse for sin and uh, get excited by things like this. Yeah, Paul struggled too. Isn't that great? No, that's not great. We ought to hate the fact that we're sinners and Jesus Christ had to die for our sins, we deserve everything that we've ever gotten, every bad thing that's ever happened to us, and so much more. But thank God that His grace was shed. You know, He He gives us His grace. He died for our sins, and we don't have to worry about eternal damnation if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In First John chapter two, verse one, it says, "My little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not." Hey, we're not supposed to sin. That's why we need to walk in the flesh. So that you sin not. In it. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we see here that even though you're saved, we still can sin. And we're not supposed to sin. But the Bible says that if we do, we have an advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous. I'm going to heaven today, not because of any good works that I did to get me saved, but because of what Jesus Christ did. I'm going to heaven today, not because of any good works I did to keep myself saved. It's Jesus Christ that keeps me saved. He is the advocate, and I thank God for that. And so, can I ever stop sinning? Well, you don't have to sin, but you're probably going to. 
And one of these days we're going to be like Christ and we're going to have that new glorified body, one that's like Christ, and we won't sin anymore. And I tell you, I am looking forward to that day. And it's coming. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then another question I got, this is a great question, and this is more of, I guess, a uh, Bible trivia type question, I guess. But I think it goes well with the message, and this question is from TC. And he brings up 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 14 through 19. I'm going to read this for you real quick, just so you will be familiar with this passage. But some of you may remember the story of Naaman the leper, Naaman the Syrian. He was a, a mighty man that had the incurable disease of leprosy. And you remember the story how he went and Elisha told him to dip in the rivers seven times. And he was healed of that leprosy. But let's read verse 14. It says, Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. But he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules, burden of earth, for thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. In this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Rimmon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, when I bow down myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. So the question that was asked about that passage is simply this. Um, it appears in this passage that Naaman was saved. And I agree with that. I believe he was saved. He asked if he could be forgiven uh, when he had to escort his master into the house of Rimmon and bow down with his master as required. Your take on this. Well, first of all, uh, I actually preached a whole message on this. If you go back on our website in the sermons page, and you look at sermons from 2012 on March 25th. Uh, I did a kind of an in-depth study on this passage, and uh, we're not going to go into the details of everything on here, but I believe Naaman in this story represents a sinner, just a sinner like you and me, the incurable disease of leprosy. We have this incurable disease of sin, or I guess I should say the only cure, the blood of Jesus Christ. And then there's many things that represent salvation in this story, but I believe in this story we see a character named Gehazi, who was a servant of Elisha, that I believe represents false prophets, false preachers, if you would. And you may remember how in this story, basically what he was saying, Naaman was worried that when he went back to his kingdom, that he was going to sin. He They had a custom that they would escort their master into the house of Rimmon, and they would bow before this God. And he realized that the only true God was there in Israel because he was now a believer, but he was afraid that he was going to sin, and he wanted to give a gift. He wanted to give possessions, I guess, as pardon for a sin that he thought he would commit. And notice Elisha just told him, go in peace. He would not take the gift, 
And then if you read the rest of the story, Gehazi ended up going to him and taking the gift. And as a result of this, Elisha was very upset and the leprosy of Naaman ended up coming upon Gehazi because I believe one of the things that people get worried about when it comes to salvation is they're thinking, well, what about after I get saved? I know I'm going to keep sinning. I know I'm still going to struggle in this area or that area. And the truth is, I believe when somebody gets saved, the Holy Spirit, he can help you overcome those things. I believe that Naaman, and I believe Elisha believed this, when he went back home, I think he believed that Naaman would have had the strength not to sin. He would not have bowed. Maybe he would have went back, and I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened, so I'm just giving you my thoughts. I'm just giving you my opinion, uh, which means very little. But I believe that Naaman, if he would have went back, I believe God would have given him the strength to say, no, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to do that. I know who the true God is. It's the God who healed me, and I cannot do this. But unfortunately, because Gehazi went and took that gift, I wonder if maybe Naaman went back home and thought, all right, it's already taken care of. That sin is paid for, and I'm okay. And he, I, I, I don't know. You know, We don't know what happened, but we do see a really uh, great picture of salvation. Then we see Gehazi kind of ruin it at the end. And many people think that they've got to do something to save themselves. And then there's many people that think they have to do some work to keep themselves saved. And that is not the case. And so this morning, to go into my message, I want to ask a question for you that uh, hopefully you have asked before and God answers. But there may be some here today who you don't know the answer to this. And that's the question of what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And when we talk about being saved, we're talking about saved from your sins. We're talking about whether or not you are going to go to heaven or hell. Not many people can answer that question. They don't know for sure where they're going to spend eternity. And this is a very simple question. And we see this question in the Bible. In Acts chapter 16, verse 30, after Paul and Silas, they'd been preaching the gospel. They were taken, they were beaten, they were thrown to prison. You may remember the story. There was an earthquake came. The doors were open. The chains fell off. And they were ready to escape. There was a jailer about ready to kill himself. They told him, don't do it. And he came to them and he asked them a question in Acts chapter 16, verse 30. And he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thine house. Right there we see a very simple question. And we see a very simple answer. And I'm disturbed today at how complicated the answers to this question have gotten. You know, I'm sad at how many people cannot answer this question. Or if, you, if I ask them, hey, if you died today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? And they're not real sure. They're not real confident. In their answer. And I believe one of the reasons many people can't answer that. I'm talking about religious people here. People who've spent a lot of time in church, I believe one of the reasons for that is we have allowed religion and some false prophets to complicate the issue of salvation. It is a very simple plan. And some one of the things that people say, and I'm just going to deal with a few of the things that people teach that I believe have complicated this subject of salvation, and that's the teaching that, well, people got saved, some people get saved different. In fact, people got saved different in the Old Testament 
than they do in the New Testament. And you know what? That's not true. They got saved in the Old Testament the same way we get saved in the New Testament. It's clear throughout the Bible that salvation has always been by grace through faith. And it's about belief. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And in Romans chapter 4 verse 3, talking about Abraham, Old Testament character. Romans 4 3, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Galatians 3 6 repeats it. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. James 2.23 repeats it. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, for he was called the friend of God. So right there we see three examples in the New Testament using Abraham as the example. And notice it wasn't about works. If you go back and you look in Genesis, when Abraham believed, it was when God called him out of the earth of the Chaldees, and he believed God to go to that strange land. And when he believed God, the Bible says it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Many people think Abraham got saved when he went and he offered up Isaac as a sacrifice. When, he, when God saw that he was willing to do that. But the truth is, that was probably 40, 50 years later that that happened. And we see in the Bible that he was saved way back when he believed God. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 3. So Jonah went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. The people of Nineveh got saved. How did they get saved? They believed on God. And we don't have time to go into just the verses and verses from the Old Testament and verses in the New Testament referring to somebody in the Old Testament who believed God and that's how they were saved. So then, I, so very simply, everybody who's ever been saved has been saved, by the, saved the same way. It's by grace through faith. And so also, they'll say things like, well, you have to change to get saved. You've got to... You know, turn your life around. You've got to do good works. You've got to get baptized or whatever. And one of the verses people will use, at Matthew 4, verse 17, says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You may remember John the Baptist. He preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You may remember Peter. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And many people will say, you have to change to get saved. But the truth is, the definition of repentance is basically to think differently or to reconsider. In other words, to go from believing or not believing to believing. I did not believe and then I did believe. You know what you did? You repented. You changed your mind. You changed your thinking. You went from not believing to believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repenting is not always just turning from sins. Genesis chapter 6, 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. First time we see repentance in the Bible, it's God repenting. Well, God doesn't have any sins to repent of. But God did change his mind. And that's what you have to do to be saved. There's some here listening this morning. You may not believe 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to change your mind on that. You need to change your thinking. You need to go from not believing to believing if you want to be saved. But believing and repenting, basically the same thing. You didn't believe, now you do. Some verses, an example of that. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 14. Now, we all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if we go a couple verses before that, it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And what's that referring to? You may remember that Old Testament story where God sent the fiery serpents that were biting the children of Israel because of their murmuring and their complaining. And Moses, he made a brazen serpent on a pole, and all they had to do to be healed was look at it. It was that simple. And just like it was such a simple thing that healed them then, it is a simple thing that will save you from your sins, and that is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It says it in verse 15 and verse 16, Whosoever believe them should not perish. Verse 17, For God sent not His Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Did you see how many times believe was repeated in those verses? I mean, over and over again. It's that simple, folks. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have so many different verses we can look at. I don't have time to go into all of them. Old Testament verses, New Testament verses. We see the children of Israel in Psalms chapter 78, a great chapter to read that talks about all the things that God did for them while they were in the wilderness, how God brought them through the Red Sea, how He fed them manna. And it talks about all of the wonderful things He did for them. But you know what? Not all of them were saved. In fact, it says in Psalms chapter 78, it mentions those who did not believe nor trust in His salvation. And those ones, they died and went to hell, even though they were part of the children of Israel. Because they got saved not by being Israelites, they got saved by believing on God. And so then, it's like, okay, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus Christ. There's many that will try to play that one. You know, all the religions are basically the same. You know, they just maybe call God something else. Well, the Bible says there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation there is no doubt about that. But at the same time, people will talk about those Old Testament verses where they're believing in God and saying, okay, well, it's different then. You had to believe in God back then. Now we believe in Jesus Christ. But the truth is, you can't separate believing in God from believing in Jesus or believing in God's Word. You have to believe in one or believe in them all to believe in one of them. It's a package deal that goes together. And I'll prove this to you. For example, many people will say things like, well, the Jewish people, they believe the Old Testament. Well, if that's the case, then Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. Because in John chapter 5, verse 46, he said, For had ye believed Moses, talking about 
Genesis through Deuteronomy. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? They didn't believe Jesus, did they? You know why? Because they didn't believe the Bible. They didn't believe the writings of Moses. They said they believed the writings of Moses, but they didn't believe Jesus. Therefore, they proved themselves to be liars. And many people will try to do that, separate things. Well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in the Bible. Well, I'm sorry. The Bible is God's word. And it's impossible for God to lie. It's a package deal, and you can't separate one from another. But many people, they'll try to teach you things like, you can lose your salvation. And that's not the case either. Believing gets us saved, and God keeps us saved. Romans 11.29 says, For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You believe that salvation is a gift of God? Well, God doesn't change His mind on His gifts. Once He gives you that gift, He's not taken it away. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Once again, we see the belief mentioned in there. And once you believe, you receive that gift of salvation, it's not going to be taken away. It's, it's yours forever. Ephesians 4.29 verse says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The Holy Spirit, He seals us until the day of redemption. He keeps us saved, not our works. It's Him that keeps us saved. Titus 3, 7, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which believe in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Those who believe, in other words, those who are saved, be careful to maintain good works. Hang on to those good works. They are good. They are profitable, but they don't save you, and they don't keep you saved. And we need to understand that. And until Jesus Christ comes, we just need, we need to do our best. Galatians 5.16 that I mentioned at the beginning. Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We need to walk in the Spirit. We need to be obedient to Christ. We need to try to do our best. Why? Because we love, because we love God. Because He saved us. Not so He will save us. It's so clear in the Bible that we don't deserve it. And there's nothing that we could do to earn salvation. We can't even come close but thank God he sent his son to die on the cross. And I don't know why people want to add to salvation. It's been going on since the beginning of time. Cain did it. They did it at the Tower of Babel. Everybody wanted to insert works in there somehow, find some way they can take the credit. But folks, if you want to be saved, if you want to go to heaven, you do that by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you so much for sending your son. And Lord, if there's one here that's been trusting in their own good works. Lord, help them to realize that it won't do them any good, but help them just to call on you for salvation. And we thank you so much for that verse in the Bible. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. Thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message this morning by Pastor Tommy McMurtry of Liberty Baptist Church in Rock Falls. We hope you are blessed and invite you to tune in next Sunday at 7.30 a.m. as Pastor Tommy brings you more truths from God's Holy Word. For more information about Liberty Baptist Church, visit their website at experience-liberty.com or you can email them at libertybc2011 at at&t.net.